we have been seeing some interesting things in our gospel readings this Easter season. A general observation could be that in grief, people experience revelation of God. Mary Magdalene at the tomb, Thomas touching Jesus' hands and side, doubt met with experiential proof. At quick glance, we may conclude that grief must be significant. Grief in our journey may be a vehicle to know God, to experience revelation of God, to have joy. How strange does that sound? Today in our reading, we have some disciples still in grief and under stress. Jesus died and has come back to life and weirdly appears and leaves. And I would guess they are not sure exactly what is happening. I imagine great assurance is taking place, but also great questioning. What is real? What does this mean? Or maybe, am I losing my mind? Today is Jesus' third appearance after the resurrection. We see Peter cutting through the gravity of emotion by simply returning to what he knows. I am going fishing, he says. By vocation, he is a fisher. He knows this. It is familiar. It is routine. And the others join in because being together and doing familiar things is helpful during grief and loss and stress. It's here things begin to turn a bit, especially for Peter. Remember, for him, there is the same stress and grief all are feeling, but additionally, he has likely a pretty hearty amount of guilt and shame. He has denied Christ three times, as Christ predicted. Jesus knows it, and so does everyone else. This was not a private moment. Imagine what it must have been like. So much regret, so much shame, so much insecurity. Grief, guilt, and shame. All of these are powerful emotional and mental experiences that also affect us physically and certainly involve our spirituality. Grief fairly universally is defined as acute pain or distress caused by loss. This can be the death of a loved one or the loss or end of something or some transition in our lives. For Peter and, others, and other followers of Jesus, in this time of appearance of Jesus, this must have felt confusing and unpredictable. There was gain, but there was loss loss of previous lifestyle, of previous understanding of spirituality, of pre previous experience of relating to Jesus. This is going on for Peter and all of them, but additionally for Peter, there is both grief and shame at work. On top of processing Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, Peter is dealing with denying Christ three times. Shame and guilt. Renee Brown, research professor known for her focus on shame, vulnerability, and leadership, describes both of these concepts. She says, shame is a deeply painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and somehow unworthy of connection, love, or belonging. I would add that her focus is on what may be considered toxic shame. A healthy shame, which does exist, is simply the emotional reaction to a consciousness of limitation, 
I have a flaw. I am not perfect. I cannot do that. I would guess in all of the intensity that is going on for Peter, his shame is likely toxic, but we do not know. But one way or the other, he's likely experiencing shame. Guilt is related to shame, but where shame is focused on my person, guilt is focused on my behavior. Brown offers a helpful semantic. Shame, she says, is saying, I am bad. Guilt says, I did something bad. Peter is experiencing both guilt and shame. As we talk about these concepts, we need to note that they are universal for us as humans. We all experience grief, shame, and guilt. And strangely, they may often come to us as a package deal. How does God respond to this package deal for Peter? In our narrative today, Peter is in the fishing boat, and he hears Jesus is on the shore, and immediately responds. He hears, he does not see. Perhaps he's so looking for a restored relationship with Jesus that he seems to have this frantic reaction. Interestingly, it says that he is naked, and he puts on clothes to jump in the water to go see Jesus. Puts on clothes to go see Jesus. In a couple of commentaries I consulted, there is speculation that this action was echoing the seeking of cover that Adam and Eve experienced after their sin. They covered themselves, hiding in shame. And here, Peter covers himself but knows Jesus' heart for him and longs for restoration. Push and pull, covers himself while moving toward Jesus. We can be so complicated as we relate to God. Fishing, water, a fire, and a great catch. Peter's been here before. In Luke chapter 5, Peter and his companions have been fishing all night on Lake Gennesaret which is the same lake we hear of today, just a different name. The Luke passage is the first calling of the disciples. In that passage, they are on the seashore, they are on the shore, not a sea, lake, cleaning the nets when Jesus gets into Peter's boat and asks Peter to put out a little way from the shore. It is in this time of great catch we hear Peter as he falls to his knees say, Go away from me, Lord for I am a sinful man. Healthy shame, limitation in the face of perfection. Jesus replies to him, do not be afraid. Further, Peter's denials take place at a charcoal fire, and in our passage today, Jesus and Peter converse at a fire. The similarities of location and circumstance must have hung in the air between Peter and Jesus. Jesus is taking Peter back to his calling and to assurance, as well as to his denials. A profound healing moment, I imagine, for Peter. Jesus says to them all, come have breakfast. He shares bread and fish with them. Again, moments of intensity suggesting the fish and the loaves miraculous meal and perhaps the Last Supper experience. Jesus brings them to what they know amid their grief, stress, and confusion so they can be assured during a really tough time. What a tender, compassionate, loving God we have. 
Today, the calling theme is carried further for Peter in the three repetitions of Jesus asking, do you love me? There is lots of speculation on this passage. Perhaps it's because of the Greek word changing for love, agape to phileo, unconditional love to friendship love. I do not think Jesus is downgrading what kind of love to love God with, but to love God with all the love we have. Jesus connects this love of God to action, loving others. He uses shepherd language, which is a common vocation in the then and there. Tend sheep, feed sheep. Jesus is calling Peter again and to more. In response to his denials, Jesus does not hesitate to call him further into relationship and further into ministry. What grace God has for us. What a snapshot. God's love is so amazing, and God's grace is so hard to fathom. What is hard to take in also is this reality of our limitations, the healthy shame of our humanity, and the guilt that can haunt us about our behavior. We can glean about this a bit as we consider the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection did not take sin from this world and it did not take loss from this world. We still have sin. We still have grief. And God does what God is so amazing at, forms and transforms us in it, miraculously brings us life as we, like Peter, frantically respond to God's nearness. Amen.